0: Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy the bread so that these people may eat? He said said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was, so, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments, but the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sight that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself.
1: Thanks, Canaan. This is the word of the Lord, right? It's a, po- it's a powerful thing. Well, I suppose um, you would have to probably live under a rock or live without a cell phone um, to notice that people around us are in need. There's lots of needy people that live around us. I mean, your news feed of choice, when you watch it... Uh, social media any scrolling you do on social media um, you you can't help but 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 notice now you you can uh, develop a reflex that just looks away when you see it right Um, that happens you scroll past it as quickly as you can Um, i think in the day and age which we live we're bombarded and we're exposed to so much need not just but around the world not only people that we know and care about but around the world it, it, we can become numb to it and sometimes we just pass it off that that way um but it's hard to ignore right you, when you, if you travel to a third world country especially um, america you can kind of keep your distance or whatever it seems sometimes but man you travel to a third world country the second you get off of the airplane um you're you're confronted with it i mean people are begging coming to you they want food they need clothing they need housing you know the roads aren't good you know they need drinking water um the health care uh you could get confronted with it very very quickly i remember a. uh a young lady, uh, a girl that grew up in the youth group here years ago at Grace, and then she went off and uh, went into the medical field, and she spent a year on a mercy ship. They call them mercy ships, and uh, they are floating hospitals that pull into ports in different places of the world where the need is, and she told me, she's on that ship for a year. She said, Dan, you, you wouldn't believe it. You pull into these ports, and people come out of the bush. It's like they come out of the jungles, and they're lining up. And what you see there is just stunning. There, there are needs and deformities and things, medical issues that you would never uh, run into in, in the states. Well, it can be easy. It can be easier anywhere not to see the needs in America or Ashland, but they're there. Needy people are all around us. If you're a school teacher, I know school teachers head back into school. If you have eyes of Christ, you see these kids, and you see uh, the needs that they have. Uh, A number of you have signed up for LifeWise. You know, John Tevan, he was on staff with us, and God called him out into the community and into these schools to do LifeWise. And many of you have gotten involved, and man, you see needs out there. If uh, if you're a social worker, if you're a business owner, a number of business owners, I know here and these I know they, they care about their employees, they care about the people coming in, and they go, man, they, they, they got a lot of needs in their lives that go beyond just getting them a, a, a job. Ashland Christian Healthcare Center, so many of you volunteer places like that. You, you see it. So, what do you do? Have you noticed the need? Well, yeah, you can't help it, and you open yourself up to it. What do you do? How do you respond to needy people? And what do you do with the needs of your own heart? What do you do with the needs in your own life? Well, today's scripture, hope you turn there in John chapter six, um, and uh, Canaan, way to go, man. Good job, I love it when the kids read the word of God. Um, you are gonna see in our study that Jesus and the disciples are in a situation where they can't ignore it. The needs keep following them. Wherever they go, the people um, are crowding around them and they can't get away from the need. The people are sick, they're hungry, and that's the situation that we find them in. Right here in John chapter 6. So it starts out. This says this in John chapter 6, first verse. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So give you a little perspective, here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee, and um, and um that's from my hotel room. Last uh, fall, Holly and I were in Israel, and so, this is the Sea of Galilee, and we're actually in the city of Tiberias. Tiberias was built and named after the Roman emperor, and um, so, our hotel is right there on the shores of Sea of Galilee. It's looking east. That's the sunrise. And so, I, you know, I'm not showing you travelogue pictures here, but I, but I wanted you to see this because what you're looking across the Sea of Galilee at is the eastern shores of the Sea of Galilee, and then just north of that is where this event is going to take place. And Jesus is moving around the, this region of Galilee and the Sea of Galilee, and um, he sent his disciples out, they come back, and he's trying to get away with just the 12 disciples, and, but the crowds keep on following him so when it says he's going to the other side he's going to the other side of the sea of Galilee. he's headed over to that shore that you're looking at right there verse two and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick and jesus went up on the mountain And and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? The crowds had seen the signs. The crowds had seen the signs, and what those were were Jesus was somebody special. They recognized that. He was indeed a miracle worker. There was supernatural power that he possessed. And so, with these crowds that were following him, I'm sure included people that had been healed themselves. It included people that knew somebody that had been healed by Jesus or a miraculous thing done. And so, all these people are, are trying to get to him reliable source they go hey there's jesus jesus in our area jesus in our town and so they're following him now jesus tries to get away with his 12 disciples but it's hard because here they come everywhere they went these crowds it was this period in, in his life and they had a hard time getting away now jesus anticipates the need of the crowd coming and he turns to philip and he says to them where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat now there's one thing to have a crowd it's another thing to have a needy crowd it's another thing to have a hungry crowd that gets hangry and you got some real issues and philip i don't know what's going on in his head what would you do you're sitting there and jesus says hey look at this crowd coming where are we going to buy bread to uh, to feed them and um Some people think he asked Philip, Philip's like, well, how many are coming to dinner? Well, 5,000 plus women and children. How's that looking? And some people think that maybe Jesus asked Philip because Philip was kind of the administrative guy. He would carry out some projects and do it well. Or maybe it's because he was from the city, the town of Bethsaida. Now Bethsaida is located just off the shores of the Sea of Galilee, very near to this mountain where they're going to feed these people. So Jesus, in a sense, kind of looks at Philip and said, "Hey, where are we going to buy bread to feed all of these people? You know, hey Philip, you know, what do you know about Bethsaida? Do they have a grocery store there, Philip?" how about a super walmart how are we going to handle this situation what jesus is doing he wants to press the disciples into noticing and seeing the need he's pulling the disciples and going hey what are we going to do look what's look what's coming Now, the Gospel of Mark, this miracle shows up in all four Gospels. The Gospel of Mark gives us a little more background to the scene. It says, the disciples, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done. These 12 had just been sent out on a ministry trip, seen a lot of things happen. Then they're coming back to report to Jesus all that they had done. And Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many are coming and going and they had no time even to eat and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves not Now many saw them going and recognized, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So there's a picture. You saw the Sea of Galilee. Jesus goes, look, they they don't have time to eat. Disciples come back to report to him. He goes, let's get away. He gets in a boat, and he heads out to go over to the other shore. And the people watch the boat go across the lake, and they run around the shoreline. This crowd follows him around the shoreline and meets him. Verse 30, it says in Mark, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send these people away, send them away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside and buy something to eat. But Jesus answered him, you give them something to eat. The disciples are confronted with not only needs, but needs that were absolutely overwhelming. Jesus says, do you see this? Do you see this? And they did. And they go, well, man, this place is desolate. These people need food. We gotta send them away. And Jesus says to Philip, where are we gonna get money? And he says to the disciples, no, you feed them. Have you noticed the need in your life? Have you noticed the needs in the people in your life? If you do, it quickly becomes overwhelming. So Jesus says, where are we going to buy bread? So that these people can eat. And so Philip, it says over seven, he answered and said, well, so Philip's going to figure it out. Philip and his disciples are going to try and, and figure out what they're going to do about this. So Philip says, well, you know, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little bit even. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, said to him, there's this boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So the disciples are thinking, well, wh- what do you mean? Jesus says, "You feed them." Philip, where are we going to get where are we going to get bread? So they have their strategy meeting, they look at what resources they have, what do we have, they run the numbers, right? That's what you do. You run the numbers, what do we have, and you check the budget, the conclusion, man, there's no way. You know, they're going—Philip's going, wait, this is—this is crazy. 200 denarii, a denarii was a day's wage. So basically, eight months, they going. you know, if we had eight months' wages here, where are—where are we going to get the bread? Where are we going to buy? It? Even if we could buy that much bread, what good is that going to do? That just gives everybody a little, a little sample. And so they come back to Jesus with their committee report, and um, they say, you know, we we got nothing. We got nothing. All, all we have is this little kid's lunch. There's five loaves and two fish that he has in his lunch, and what good is that going to do? Right? They say, you know what? What? What are they for? So many, so many people. I realize amazingly inadequate resources. You know, some of you maybe remember lunchroom. Some of you go to the school lunchroom all the time, still do, your kids. Um I I remember a scene in the lunchroom. There was always the kid with the big always come with the big lunches, right? There's always that kid that, wow, hey, what has he got today? You know, cranked the thing open, you know. And uh, mine was always a little sack with a sandwich. Hey, what you got? So, you know, you're the kid with the big lunch and open it up, and everybody, your friend goes, hey, can I have one of your seven ho-hos in there, you know, or whatever it is? And um, sure, you know, and and what happens in the lunchroom when somebody opens it up and starts to get—well, there's a feeding frenzy. Hey, can I have some too? Can I have some too? Pretty soon the whole lunchroom is piling in, and the poor kid with the lunch says, hey, I don't have enough to feed the whole lunchroom. Right, So this is the situation that we're in. The disciples' assessment of the situation was this. Look it. We see these needs. They are overwhelming. They are way too big. And what we have to offer these people is way too small. So Jesus, look, you got to send the people away. Hopefully, they're going to make do. But you have to understand what Jesus was doing. It says in verse 6, there's an interesting little phrase. It says, he said this. He says to Philip, where are we going to buy food so these people can eat? He says to the disciples, no, don't send them away. You feed them. It says, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. See, Jesus knew what he was going to do, and he's going to feed them all. But what he wanted to do was press the disciples They came back with with the assessment, you know, he wanted to press the question with them. Questions that, that, hey, do you notice the needs that people have? And where do you get your needs met? And how big are the needs in the people that surround us? And who is it that really gives us our daily bread? Jesus calls him to feed them and then presses them into the question. How are you going to get this done? Where's all this come from? Well, disciples see it, they're overwhelmed by it, and then they realize they can't do anything about it, and Jesus kind of says, watch this. And so, God in flesh, the divine, sits down and provides supper. Verse 10, Jesus says, have the people sit down. The other gospels say they seated them in, in groups of 150, has them all sit down. Uh, not line up, right? Let's get the crowd so they sit them down. And uh, he said, "'Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, "'Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost.' And so, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten." It's an amazing thing. It's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. And Jesus, imagines sitting there, and Jesus says he took these loaves, these barley loaves, these were cheap little loaves of bread, right? And these two little fish, pickled fish, and he takes these things and it says he took them and they looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. It says in the gospels that he blessed, he said a blessing. Now... I'm sure this wasn't the kind of blessing that you have at your meal, family meals. Hey, who's going to say the blessing? You know, we bless the food and whatever, whatever. Uh, it, It was, he looks up to heaven and he gives thanks. He blesses God. Something, something that Jesus possibly used, a very common Jewish prayer, it sounds like this, blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then Jesus starts to distribute it. He's passing it out. The disciples take it and start taking it to the crowds. And they're going, like, where's this coming from? and it just goes and disperses and they're talking and they're eating and they're stunned by what they're seeing and they get as much as they want. Anybody else needs some more bread? Hey, how's your circle? How's your group? You guys need bread? Hey, we're hey, we're good. Hey, you need some more fish over there? Okay, we're going to bring some more fish here. And they go and well over 5,000 men and women and children and they all get fed. You guys good? No, we're good. The Gospels say they all ate and were satisfied. (laughs) It's amazing. It's like like Thanksgiving dinner, you know. Grandma's running the potatoes one more time around the table. Somebody got to eat this. No, we're full. That's what happened with the bread and the fish with thousands of people. At the end of the evening, at the end of the evening, picture this, all 12 disciples huddle back with Jesus each of the 12 disciples has a full belly and a basket full of leftovers. And they're going, what happened? How did this happen? We got more now than when we started with. I don't know what the little boy said when he got home, if his mom was there or whatever. That was always something I, you know, I dream about. It's not in the Bible, right? But you think, well, when a kid get back home? Hey, how was your day? It was great, man. I went and checked out the crowd with Jesus. It was great. Hey, how was your lunch? You're not going to believe what happened to my lunch, right? You're not going to believe it. Here's a point I think Jesus is pressing into very, very powerfully with the disciples and with us. It's this, when it comes to needy people, do you notice them? If you really see them and you really notice the needy people in our world, it quickly becomes absolutely overwhelming, and you feel like you have nothing whatsoever to offer that's going to make any difference at all. And Jesus says, there are no needs that are too big and too overwhelming that I can't need them, that I can't meet them. Is your God that big? so i want to pause and i want to back up and i i i want to come at the story again ask you the question can you relate to needy people do you see the needs do you often see you know your friends you hear things you hear things about people you love you see things on the news you see things in the community you see things where you work How, can you relate to needy people so when we go back into the story I, I, I want to know, I want you to ask yourself, as we went through the story, who did you find yourself identifying with? Did you find yourself identifying with certain people or certain groups in the story? I think it's a really powerful thing and a really healthy thing when you read the Bible, when you read the Gospels. Don't just read it as some fairy tale that happened a long time ago in a faraway place. No, this was, these were real people. It was a real Jesus. The God of the universe became flesh and engaged with these people having conversations with these people, relate to these people. It's a powerful thing to put yourself in the story and follow around the crowd and say, wow, how would Jesus relate to my life and to me? And what's the connection? Do you want to know God? Do you want to know, you know, what it means to walk with Jesus, engage the people in your life, then watch Jesus. It's interesting to me that, that Philip, Jesus turns to Philip, one of the disciples, and says, Where are we going to buy bread for all these people? It's interesting that later on in John chapter 14, just before Jesus is crucified, Jesus says these famous words, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And, um, And Philip says to Jesus in that conversation, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And I have to wonder if Philip at that moment went back and went, Oh, yeah. As he sat there on the mountain and watched the God of the universe do these stunning things uh stunning things so who do you relate to, to? maybe you're going to relate to the hungry crowd maybe you lean more toward relating to philip and the disciples we're going to go back into it and press into these or maybe for you it's the little boy right what about the hungry crowd it's interesting to see how this crowd responds to jesus look at verse 14. it says when the people saw the sign that he had done They said, this indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. This is an interesting exchange, isn't it? (laughs) Interesting, interesting uh, series of events. What happened was these crowds, these hungry crowds saw this is somebody special. This is a miracle worker. This is the Old Testament prophet that the Old Testament talked about. Man, this is the guy, right? John says that Passover was coming. You know what Passover was? A national holiday where they all focus down and head down to Jerusalem, and they celebrate the idea that, the, that God delivered them out of slavery from Egypt. So there's a heightened sense of nationalism. There's a heightened sense of a lot of these things, and the crowd is going, hey, man, Jesus is our guy." jesus is the candidate we've been looking for jesus is the king that's going to deliver us and they and jesus sensed that they were going to by force take him and make him king and he disappears jesus de-escalates the crowd the other gospels say that jesus said to his disciples hey look you guys you know the boat we came in you guys go back in and get in the boat and head out And I'm disappearing. And he de-escalates the crowd. He cancels, dismisses the rally. Why? What they wanted in a king was so short-sighted. What they were looking for in a king was way too short-sighted. See, the hungry crowd went, wow, this guy fed me. They only saw their needs for food and health care and freedom from the political oppression of Rome. And Jesus knew they needed way more than that. Jesus knew that they needed more than that. They needed a savior from their sin. Jesus knew, and he's going to get Jesus, you know, a little teaser. um, Jesus is going to meet this very crowd again. And he realized, and he says to them, look, you need more than bread. You need the bread of life. You need more than your physical, temporal needs met. You also have needs you're not in touch with, and they're spiritual, and they're eternal. In Mark chapter 6, as it records this event, when all the crowds started coming to Jesus... It says this, that Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, he saw more than just hungry people. And he says to Philip, how are we going to feed them and buy bread? Jesus saw the needs way more than that. These are all like these sheep without a shepherd. They have no meaning. They have no direction. They have no identity. They're not in touch with some serious issues in their lives. Are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry this morning? You you come to Jesus, and you've got needs, and Jesus wants us to come with our needs, but maybe maybe your needs are too short-sighted as well. Sometimes we're thrown, yeah, I came to Jesus. Yeah, I tried Jesus. Okay, well, what, what, what were you coming to Jesus for? Well, Jesus didn't heal me. Jesus didn't provide the money I needed, and Jesus hasn't given me a husband. So I think I might as well go find another way to meet my needs. I'm going to find another king for my life. Well, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you, you come to Jesus like the hungry crowd? Hey, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not feeding me. Like I, Jesus is going to look, look, you got way more needs you have no idea of. Philippians 4.19, Paul makes this interesting statement. It's a context of physical needs, but watch what Paul presses into. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. For a believer in Jesus Christ, you come to Christ as your Savior, your Lord, as the one that's going to make you a new creation. It's some amazing passages of scripture that talk about the needs that he will meet in your life. Second Peter says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Do you have needs for life and godliness? Colossians 2 3, uh, related to the VBS thing, it, 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 interesting. It says, In Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge do you need wisdom do you need knowledge all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge we have more needs than we ever imagined if you come to jesus and say well i have my needs met, come to him he wants us to come to him but don't be short-sighted about what your needs really are Maybe you can relate to Philip and the disciples. That's where I personally kind of landed this week, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's wild. Put yourself in their shoes, Philip and, and the disciples. You know, Jesus looks at Philip. Where are we to buy breads so that these people may eat? And it says in verse 6, he said this, to test him, for he himself knew what he would do see what what jesus was doing with this episode with this experience with all these needy people jesus was using an opportunity to test the disciples he comes to the disciples you feed them disciples going send these people away the no no you feed them he looks to philip hey how are we going to buy bread for all these people he's pressing them into it it's a test of their faith Jesus wants to expose the disciples to the fact that the disciples need a really big God if they were going to uh, uh, pull off the calling on their lives. Hey, you go feed these people. It's like, are you crazy? We can't feed these people. And Jesus is testing them to say, well, you don't have a big enough God then. Remember, the disciples, they had just come back from a a ministry trip you read the gospels carefully and these things are some chronological things and and the 12 had just been sent off on a ministry trip and it says in the scripture that jesus gave them the power so these 12 were healing people they were casting out demons and they were spreading the gospel and so they came back and were reporting to jesus and telling him all that they had done and then this huge need comes, and, and, and Jesus goes, all right, now feed these guys. And they go, we, we can't do it. Jesus is pushing them. See, when you, you get into to ministry or, or, or life, and you, you step out, maybe God uses you. You sign up for something, and you, you're, you're responding to the call of God in your life, and you see things happen, and all of a sudden, um, something um, overwhelms you. Or maybe you get a little cocky you go hey man i can do this we can do this we can do this ministry thing we can reach people yeah there's a bunch of needy people out there and subtly and very dangerously a couple things can happen one you can develop a messiah complex i'm out helping all these people and they need me oh really or it can have the opposite effect and absolutely paralyze you with fear Because the needs are overwhelming, and people are looking to you to meet those needs, and you realize, I can't do this. And Jesus is pressing the disciples into that kind of a situation, and what they needed was a bigger God to trust in. Because when that happens, then it frees you from the Messiah complex and the paralyzing fear see there's everything in you when you get into ministry you're called to to meet needs or you're called to whatever god calls you to do feed your family feed feed whatever right right when god calls you into these things what can happen a lot of times you go wait a second god i can't do this and you call me into us and you either want to run away from it all or say send these people away or i'm not going to get engaged with these things See, Jesus in the not-too-distant future is going to say to these very disciples something like this. Hang on. What's one thing to say? Feed these people. Jesus is going to say to these disciples, look, go make disciples of the nations. (laughs) It's like, what? Go make disciples of the nations. Well, there's an overwhelming need there. How in the world are we going to do that? And they felt so inadequate, but Jesus promised them. I am sending you a helper. He's going to make it perfectly clear in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's going to be your helper. That's how you're going to get it done, and he also promises in the Great Commission, go make disciples of the nations, and I am with you always. Jesus also made the promise, I will build my church. Right before the crucifixion, the night before the crucifixion, Jesus is sitting down with his disciples, has a very intimate conversation with them in John chapter 15. He says this to them, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus is exposing the disciples, and he will with us to say, look, look, no, no. I called you into something. You say, I can't do it. I know you can't do it so you abide in me and i in you and watch what i do through you what's god asking you to do what's god asking you today as you engage the story maybe you feel like you know you've been exposed to some needy people in your life they're they're close to you you can't ignore it you can't get around it god's put these people in your life, and everything in you wants to run from it, everything in you wants to turn to Jesus and say, send them away, you know, because they send them to somebody else. Send them away. Maybe you signed up for VBS, and now you come in here, and you see this, and you go, oh my goodness, it's tomorrow night. What in the world did I sign up? What did I get myself into? These kids are going to be coming in and what in the world am i doing i know you want to send them away you want you got to run for somewhere else i volunteered i'm signed up i'm gonna be hanging out for a week with second and third graders what was i thinking right now i'm looking forward to it but i need a big god to go into those second and third graders what's he asking you to do and engage in you say, man, God, this is beyond my pay grade. No. Maybe you need a bigger God. Maybe Jesus is testing you right now, like He did with Philip and his disciples. No, you move into this, and you need a bigger God. You're going to find that I'm bigger, and I'm working ahead of you in ways that you never imagined before. The Apostle Paul, an interesting statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he It's interesting, the church in Corinth was an immature church, and they were fighting over who the best pastor was, who the best speaker was, and the celebrity thing. You know, the the church has always had different celebrities that go around, and people get caught up in the celebrities, and who's right and wrong, and everybody needs a celebrity. and it's, It's craziness, and that was going on in the Corinthian church. So Paul writes to them, and he says this, what then is Apollos? Apollos is one of the celebrities, Peter, Cephas. Paul, all these people in Corinth going, well, this is a guy we need, we just need this guy, they'll fix it all, right? So, Paul writes to them, (laughs) he says this, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? We are just servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And this is what Jesus is pressing into. Look, you disciple, yeah, you're not, what do you you got? You got a couple of loaves and a fish, it's nothing. But watch this. It's God who makes it grow. It's God who meets people's needs. We got to get people to Jesus. We have to get people to Jesus. He's the need meeting. He's the one that's going to meet their needs. Maybe you can relate to the boy and his lunch. Imagine being that kid. I don't know. It was his food. He was hungry. He had needs. (laughs) There's no indication that the disciples stole his lunch or guilt tripped him into it. There's nothing that we read that Andrew put him in a headlock and gave him a noogie and said, give me your lunch. You know, none none of that. You know? I love that this story is in all the Sunday School materials. They even made a song coming out of it. Little is much when God is in it. I don't know if the kid wondered, man, if I give away what little I have, is Jesus going to be enough for me? There's so many times. How many times have you been confronted with a need and God calls you into it? You go, God, I got nothing. I'm so needy myself. I got nothing, right? Like the little kid, "I, I got nothing. And Jesus says, just give away what you have. Just steward what you do have. And that's what this kid did, you know? You may wonder, well, if I give away what little I have, will Jesus be enough for me? What's what's Jesus asking you to give away? You go, man, it's all I got. Or it's so little it doesn't matter. And the evil one comes away and says, yeah, yeah, you're nothing. That's a little. It doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever. And Jesus goes, no, no, look, look, give it away. Stewardess. What's he want to use? Whether you're a child or you're an adult, you might wonder, my life, my talents, my abilities, my resources, my voice, it isn't, it's not enough. It's not even going to make a dent. My voice, my life, what, it isn't going to make a dent in the needs. Are you kidding? Have you seen the needs out there? I get it. Like, Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, right? And Jesus comes along and goes, can I have your lunch? What do you have? first peter i love first peter four you know you know it's a side note but so much of scripture so much in this whole ministry related thing for the for 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 us is going hey how has god gifted you what has he given you and it's all about being a faithful steward it's about being a faithful steward. Paul says, I'm just a faithful steward. A steward only gives away what they've been given. God never calls you or I to give away what we don't have. He just says, steward what I've given you. Just, just give it away. Well, it isn't much Give give away. At 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I was I was uh, moved by a story I came across about Fanny Crosby. I don't know if you've ever heard of Fanny Crosby. If this is the first time you've ever heard the name, kids, uh, you can leave here. Thank your parents before you leave today that they didn't name you Fanny. You know they saved you lots of grief in this life. And uh, but Fanny Crosby was was born. Um, she was blind from early childhood i think it was like six weeks it was a bad medical thing and a mess and so she's blind since childhood she ended up marrying somebody who was also blind she met i think at a school or she was teaching um when fanny Crosby was young yeah she's blind and um and her father died when she was young so she marries they have a child but the child dies young and You go, wow, this poor lady's got everything in the world stacked against her, right? Um, and, uh, but if you know her, they estimate that she wrote over 8,000 hymns. And many of them are still being sung today in their dear, precious songs of the heart of people. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior. Fanny Crosby. Fanny, Fanny Crosby. She's um, she is buried in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's the same cemetery as P.T. Barnum. You know the circus? The greatest show. So you got P. T. Barnum in the cemetery and Fanny Crosby. Hmm. Whose life is having the biggest impact? Here's Fanny Crosby's tombstone. Doesn't look like P. T. Barnum's, I guarantee you. That's it. Now, some people have come along later and erected something bigger and nicer to come remember. That's her, there's her tombstone, Aunt Fanny. That's what it says. And underneath it, it says this. She did what she could. She had done what she could. Huh, that's the boy with his lunch. Look, what's Jesus asking you to do? Oh, my word, it's overwhelming. Just do what you can. You do what you can. Steward what God gives you. It's a powerful and a beautiful thing. So, as I wrap it up, if um, you heard about Jesus, you heard about Jesus, you heard that he can meet people's needs, he can, man. You come to him. You come to him. He is what you're searching for. There's signs. You heard about how he's worked in people's lives and the whole thing, how he responds to needy people. There's no big too big. You come to him. But it, you come to him. But remember, maybe you're going to relate to the hungry crowd. Or you don't be too short-sighted about your needs, right? Don't go, well, yeah, I tried Jesus. Really? Yeah, it didn't work. What? What? Maybe you're like Philip and the disciples. You know Jesus and you've seen him meet so many needs, but he's testing you right now. You've seen him work in some powerful ways in your life, in the the lives of people around you. You've seen him work. You know, you've, you've done ministry, you've been around people, you've given your life away. You've seen him work. But right now, you're in a situation, you're going, whoa, this is over the top. Okay, he's testing you. You just need a bigger God. He's a God you pray to that can do beyond what you ask or imagine to his glory. Press into it. Don't run away. Don't send the people away. Press into it. Maybe you're like the little boy. What in the world could I possibly have that would be any help at all? (laughs) You just watch. Let's pray. Father, um, what an amazing encounter. What an amazing story. And it was real and it's true with real people just like us. And so, Lord, we're, we're not 2,000 years ago on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, we're 2023 in Ashland, Ohio. And so we come to you. You're alive, Jesus, you're still alive. Your body's not here, but you, you're alive and well, and you live in us as believers. And so we're coming to you today. We're surrounded by needs, and they can be overwhelming if we have our eyes open and we understand and we're sensitive to your call in our lives. And, and so you call us to these things, and we, man, we, we can't, we can't do it. May, Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a believer. You're like that hungry crowd coming. Okay, Jesus, can you meet my needs? He can. He can meet all your needs. But listen, make sure that you come to him for the spiritual, eternal needs of forgiveness of sin and salvation, reconciliation with the God of the universe. Maybe this morning you've got, you're praying right now where you sit. God, you've got to come save me. You have to come forgive me and rescue me and make me your own. I need forgiveness. I need to be reconciled to you. You pray that. He'll meet your need. Maybe you have needs for food. Maybe you have needs for money. Maybe you have needs for whatever you need. Maybe you have needs to go, God, I need a bigger God. I need to, you called me into these things, and I'm running away, and I'm sending people away, and I don't want to pursue that relationship with that person because they're so needy, and I'm just staying away from all these things, and God, you're testing me, so I need to know that you're big enough, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk into this situation. God, um, thank you for, for meeting us at our point of our need and being there. Because uh, without you, we have no hope. So we thank you that you're real and you're true and you're good. In Jesus' name, amen.